forgiveness is like being bitten by a snake and trying to kill the snake, hoping the poison will get out of you. And, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't, you can kill the snake. That's fine. But the poison's in you and, you know, forgiveness, bitterness, resentment, jealousy, any of those things, uh, you actually need to stop and get the poison out. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple a City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. Friends, to learn more about how you can be equipped to share the gospel, go to everydisciplesent.ca. And of course, follow us along on Instagram at the Toddcast underscore DAC. To stay encouraged, why don't you download the United Hive app? People are posting testimonies daily of how God is moving all over the world. The United Hive app is available on Android and Apple. Once again, friends, we head down under, where my guest today resides just outside of Melbourne, Lilydale to be exact. He had a dream to become a pro soccer player, got in with the Scottish Premier League in 2003, went to Kansas City in the US, and then back to Europe again. After all that, soccer was not in the cards, and he was called back to Australia. He and his bride studied for a year at Bethel Church in Redding, California in 2012, and he has now become the lead pastor at a church called The Sanctuary. Please welcome Liam Swain. (laughs) How you doing? How are you? Good, buddy. How you doing? Yeah, good, man. Good. Beautiful intro. (laughs) (laughs) Good to see you, man. Good to see you again. It's been a long time. Hey. Yeah, it's good good to be on here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. How are things down there? How are things down under today? Yeah, things things are good, man. God's God's really moving. You know, obviously we've you know, we were um that little thing called COVID happened and it's been it's been a crazy ride down here, but um God God's really moving. Um, you know, down here he's doing some good stuff and and uh, people are hungry. People are hungry for, for the gospel, and uh, it's exciting. So, yeah. Awesome. And the, uh, you guys are just uh, – you're just coming out of summer. Yeah, we're coming out of summer now. We've had a pretty pretty good summer. We've, we've, um, we've had the La Nina, I think it is, you know, the wet, the wet summer. So that's, that's unusual for us because we don't usually get the wet summer. But um, so we've had a lot of rain during summertime which is not ideal but probably probably the land needs it so it's it's all right (laughs) yeah and we're just coming out of winter we're at the time of this recording anyways and as you can see beside behind me there we we still got some snow kicking around here and you know the only other person i know that loves winter just more than me is adam shepsky loves the winter and the snow but anyway yeah yeah it's almost over for us but bro let's um Man, let, let's hear about this soccer. Let, well, let's hear about a little bit about how you grew up and why you wanted to pursue soccer and what brought you to Scotland. Yeah, well, I, I so, yeah, I uh, grew up single mom. mom. Mom had me when she was, was 16. Um, so uh, dad, dad did a runner. So dad wasn't around, um, you know, back in the 80s. It was pretty taboo to do that it wasn't sort of not not that common um 
Uh, then my mum married married my stepdad. They met in Ireland, and and then we moved, he's German, so we moved to Germany when I was four. So that's when um, that's kind of where the soccer. I think I got the option to play tennis, soccer, or maybe swimming. And I I'd never heard of soccer because you know I was four years old growing up in Melbourne, Australia, which was just predominantly cricket and cricket and uh, and AFL football, Australian rules football. And so, yeah, I started playing soccer and and played there. We lived there for four years, and I sort of just kept playing back here. And um, we moved back here when I was nine, ten, and uh, yeah, that was what sort of started it, I guess. And we, when we came back here, I just I didn't realize, you know, you don't know. I think I didn't know at the time that I was I was relatively good, and you know, had a bit of talent, and. Um, and then I just sort of progressed through the ranks here. I played Premier League here in Victoria and uh, I was always playing sort of the highest level here. And then, yeah, a coach of mine, he, he said to me, um, I think you're good enough to go and play overseas. And and uh, I said, well, can you make it happen? And he said, yeah, yeah, I can. So that was when I was 16. And there was, yeah, I guess there was a little bit of a journey before that Um of, of what God did in my life and uh, and that. But that was, anyway, that was the beginning of, of, of that journey. So so did you say your mum met your stepfather in in Ireland, did you say? Yeah, so we were, like, we, I, I don't know what, what I, I still probably don't know what the, the purpose of traveling was, but she just, she just wanted to do a traveling trip around Europe. We actually, we actually were in Canada for a bit. Um, and we went, we did bike riding around County Clare and, and, uh, Ireland, Scotland, a few other countries like France. I remember, I remember, I remember throwing up on the, on the, on the spinning carous, you know, cycle thing in, 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 uh, Paris train station. And, um, and so, yeah, they met there and they, they ended up getting married and, uh, we, he's, he was a German guy doing a backpack tour and she was Australian doing a backpack tour and, and, uh, I, I was there, like I was on that trip. So, um, did you guys come back to Australia yeah. and then go to Germany or? Yeah. Yeah. I think we came back for, for a few months and then they got married and, um, and then we, yeah, we lived in Germany for, for about four and a half years. So roughly. was your mum yep. was your mum a Christian or what was your what was your background or God influence in those days? Yeah, mum grew up Catholic, so very but very loosely Catholic. I, like her mum, her mum and dad probably stronger uh, in in their Catholicism, but we would go to church like once a year, once maybe once every two years, Easter, Christmas, funerals, weddings, those kinds. Of, you know that was that was the kind of upbringing. So. So no, not not completely, you know. Um, yeah, there was God. There was mention of God, but no, no kind of personal relationship with God. No kind of, you know, ever mentioned that. It was a sort of pray to Mary, you know, those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, that was that was pretty much my upbringing in terms of church and faith and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so you do you do a year in the Scottish Premier League. Then you had said, like when we were chatting in the green room, you come home to Australia for a little bit. Then you go off to to college in Kansas. So what was that mm-hmm. like? What was that like spiritually for you? 
being being in the U.S. now in college, obviously you're on your own and. Yeah, well, I mean, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 14 uh, due to an encounter I, I had. Uh, I was I was in a bad place, a uh, lot of abuse in the home, a lot of lot of um, lot of neglect, uh, a lot of yeah, f- a bit of physical abuse, a bit of emotional manipulation, those kinds of things. Um, that was in Australia. That was in Melbourne, yeah. And so then that oh, I started having, I was probably 12, 13, that, and then I had spiritual, I had spiritual beings, which I, I know now to be the demonic realm, but. I I didn't know what they were, and they were like talking to me. I was physically seeing them. Um, you know, I tried to kill myself three times just because of the the torment and torture that I was under. Um, this was before I, you went to Scotland. So this is before I went to Scotland, and so this kind of answers that question a little bit of the spiritual atmosphere. So then, at fourteen, I moved out of home. I went to live with another family. I was dating their daughter and they were Christians and they, they were the ones that actually led me to the Lord. They, uh, her mom basically said, look, we'll, we'll take you in. We'll give you a home for as little, as long as you need. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and so I moved in there at 14 just cause life at home was pretty tumultuous. And so, and that was a big driver because I was really good at cricket too. So I played cricket high level, played soccer high level. Um, and I'd been told a lot by family members, hey, you'll never succeed in soccer. You're never going to do anything in your life. And so there was a big part of me that was like, I want to stick this up you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and this is, this is a big, you know, but probably out of the wrong motive, but it was, it was definitely a driving factor. And so 16, then this opportunity arises uh, to, so to the fa- the family that I moved in with, um, her husband, Jimmy, he was my coach and he played for, he played for Australia and he, he was the guy that said, Hey, listen, I think you're good enough to go overseas. He set that up and um, yeah, it was challenging. I'll, I'll be honest. Like I'm a pretty, I've always been really good around people. I've always had a, just a confidence around people. But being over there, 16, um, the, the culture over there, the culture in the football world, it's probably a lot like this in a lot of sporting worlds. It's it's pretty toxic. It's pretty um, dog-eat-dog, um, you know, and, yeah, there's there's camaraderie and things like that. But, it's that you know, you're playing for positions, you're playing for money, you're playing for – influence um and the culture at the time was you know pretty much just play on the weekends go out on the weekends get drunk you know try and find as many girls as you can some were doing drugs i never did that but um so yeah it was it was yeah it was a challenge challenging year for sure being you know in that environment yep so when you said this family helped lead you to the lord what what was that like like you had an experience or, or what was, what was that like? Yeah. Well, cause I was seeing these, these demons. I, you know, um, the mom started to talk to me about the gospel and, and really explain to me, like, this is who Jesus is. This is what he's done. Um, we went down on like a, a beach mission outreach, uh, thing over summer and I just met all these Christians and I was like, oh, these guys are different. There's something 
they're 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 kind, they're nice, they're you know they're they're uh, there's something different about them, and so. Um, and then when we came back from that, she started to share, share with me about the gospel. And I remember thinking at first, like, oh yeah, you know, I think you're a bit crazy. Like that was my, <laughs> that was my initial thought was like, yeah, you, you guys are nuts. Like you're nice, you're lovely people, but you're a bit, I don't know, you believe in an invisible God. And I, I knew there was something out there. So I didn't have, it wasn't like I was, a, you know, sort of atheist or, or anything like that. I I was searching. I knew there was something. I just didn't know what, cause I'd seen the spiritual world. So there was, you didn't need to convince me of that. Well, that's um, it, right. You're, you're seeing demons and you think they're nuts. That's right. <laughs> and so, so she starts telling me about stuff and I'm thinking these thoughts like, Oh yeah, cool. I'm going to, maybe I'll break up with your daughter cause you're crazy. And all, you know, all this <laughs> kind of stuff's going on in my head. And then, and then she starts telling me about the spiritual realm and, and angels and demons, and she started sharing miracles and different stories that they'd seen. And and I just was – I just something in my spirit just went, well, if that's real, the rest of it's real. And so I knew that to be real. So I, I said, oh, well, if, the, if that's real, then then the gospel's real. So let's – Let's go. Like that was that was honestly that was it. I was like, well, if that if the demonic realm, you've been able to explain the demonic realm to me, which I've experienced, and so I, I jokingly tell people now that demons demons led me to Jesus, and so that's, that's right. <laughs> you know. And, did you uh, did you share with her or them that that you were having some some of these encounters? Like, did you understand what was going no, on? No, no. I mean, and at that time, there was probably things in my own personal life were starting to come to light because I, I kept it pretty hidden stuff that was going on in my home. And, and, um, so that started to come to light a little bit and, um, I can't remember the exact timeline of that, but that's, that's sort of how it sort of started. And then, um, I remember we went home and, um, I, I gave my life to Jesus, uh, in my girlfriend's bedroom and just me and her and, and the Lord. And I just, I got down on my knees and just just prayed for the Holy Spirit to come in, and and He did. And then that's it. From that moment on, the demonic attacks stopped. Um, I uh, I knew God was real. I probably hadn't had. I probably wasn't living in the freedom that I knew was available now. That I know that's available now. But I I was. I knew God was real, and so that was the beginning. Yeah. Wow. So okay. So then, uh, so then you do Scotland, then you do Kansas and then after Kansas doing college, how, how many years were you in the U S for college? Just for us, just for a season. So I, I was 21 and I received this prophetic word from a guy. So th- at this time I'm, I'm, you know, going to church. I'm, I'm in a community back here in Melbourne. Um, and then got this opportunity to go to America got scouted by someone here and they said, we've got this opportunity to go to college. Do you want to go? I was like, I mean, who doesn't want to go to a college in America? Like this would be awesome. Um, and so I'm over there 21, but I get this word before I leave. If you do it your way, you'll succeed. If you do it God's way, you'll, you'll succeed far greater than you believe possible. And so I'm equating that to soccer. I'm like, yeah, awesome. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change the world for soccer and with soccer, and I'm gonna take, you know, I'm gonna 
sign a contract for Manchester United or something. That was the dream, you know. And and so, um, so I'm in America, and I can feel the Lord like just tugging on my heart, like all the all the time. He's like just you know just tugging on my heart. Um, I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with um, identity, who I am. I don't know who I am. I, I believe in God, God, but I was just struggling. And so <clears throat> I, I met a good friend over there who he was from the UK, from England. He played against like Liverpool and he had some good contacts and I had some good contacts. And so he said, well, do you want to come back to the UK and let's, try and get some contracts in the UK, which is obviously way better. No offense to Americans, but it's a, it's a, that's where you want to play. You want to play in the UK. And so I said, yeah, let's do that. So we left in the winter after the season finished and then we went back to the UK and then we trained the rest of that season and we're going to spend the summer there and then trial at a couple of clubs so we'd set up a couple of trials through our contacts, one in France, one in Belgium uh, at high-level clubs, and um, and then the Lord visited my room one night and said, I want you to go home to Melbourne. And it was such a foreign thought for me. It was such an uh, – like for the last seven years, basically, I'd been – pursuing this career in soccer and really going hard, training hard, hours in the gym, lots of money spent, all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, but then that prophetic word came back to mind of like, if you do it your way, you'll succeed. And But if you do it God's way, you'll succeed far greater. And so I just knew, I knew it was God. I spent a month uh, in my bedroom, praying and fasting and going, God, is there is there anyone else up there that's got anything to say? Like, anything, you know, I was like, is this really happening? Like, am I about to throw, you know, what I felt like was a, a kind of like um, seven years of my life sort of down, not down the drain, but but just I'm about to give this give this up, and um, and that that uh, that scripture that says, you know, if you uh, what is a profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? That kind of kept coming to my mind. And I was like, yeah, I could gain the whole world right now. Like I'm on the brink of probably a million dollar contract. I'm on the brink of, of, of succeeding. Um, but I have no idea who I am and I have no idea who, who really who God is. I know he's real. I know he's the God of the Bible. I know Jesus is truth. I know all those things, but I don't know who he is. And so, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm in my bedroom contemplating that and I just booked I booked the plane ticket home and um just in faith I just booked a, I had nothing here I had no girlfriend back home I had no you know no job no no career no really anything I was like my whole life was like I'm going to live in Europe I'm going to play for the European club I'm, that's all I want to do and and um so I bought a plane ticket home and and that was the beginning of a new chapter and you had no place to stay then either in Australia. No, I, I came back and lived with that family. Uh, and six months later, um, I I met my wife and we were married within within 10 months after but, that. So, But that family, yeah. you, you weren't dating their daughter any longer? 
No, no, been it wasn't for so long. We'd been separated for probably five years or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, yeah. that's a huge, huge act of of faith and obedience for somebody who knows that God is real but doesn't know who Jesus really is. To to that must have right. been such a profound word to th- to walk away from, like what you had said, those career options to come back right. with no idea of why he's calling you back to Australia. <laughs> Yeah, and I remember, I, I remember on the plane home, I had my Bible, and I'm like, God, if you're calling me back to ministry, I said, because I, I just had this thought, you know, um, I said, if you're calling me back to the church or to do something with youth, or I don't know what, whatever you're calling me back to, I said, if I'm sitting in pew five and that's all I do for the, I don't want to be a part of that. I want to like everything in this book that has to come alive. I know it's real. I know the demonic realm, I'd seen it. Um, and so I was, I had this insatiable thing of like, if you're pulling me out of doing this, um, then this better be good. Like I was put, I was kind of like putting a bit of a demand on God. I was like, you, you better know what you're doing, man. Like this is kind of my conversation with the Lord. I was <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not coming back to play church. Like I'm coming back to see the dead raise, the sick or the lame walk, the blind see, the demonic realm just, crumble under the power of God. Like I was, I probably didn't have the language for that, but I, that's what I was. I was like, I'm all in. Like, that's just the kind of, if I was all in for soccer, I'm all in. And if I'm that, if I'm now out of that, I'm all in for whatever is next. And so, um, yeah. And then probably a few months after I was home, I had this radical encounter with God of five hours on my living room floor. I saw things that I still haven't been able to articulate properly. Um, and the gospel became alive to me. I, I had an understanding of my sonship in Christ, that the old me was dead, the new me has risen with Christ. And I was free from that moment on, free of pornography, free of lust, free of um, hatred for my mum and my stepdad and what they'd done. I'd just forgiven them and had this insatiable love for them. Um and that was that was the beginning. So within a very short amount of time of coming home, God just went boom, and 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 He honoured He obviously honoured the the step of faith. And I knew He was a good father. I knew Him as a father. I had such a fear of being a father. Obviously, my my real dad abandoned me. My stepdad was not great. So my view of God as a father was pretty tainted. And and um, <clears throat> God spoke to me. He said, "Liam, I'll father you, and I'm going to teach you how to be a good father." And um and I was like, Oh, come on, this is this is it, this is it. And so that was the beginning. That that was the beginning of a, a revival, personal revival in my life. Um, yeah. So bro, can now I know what you're talking about, about having a radical encounter. And as you know, when I was down there at Jesus school, <laughs> I spent some time with my face in the floor. <laughs> But um, can you just spend some time, man, just like some people may have not had an experience like that or have a uh, bearing for that. Can you just can you just take a minute and just describe mm-hmm. what that encounter was like or what you were doing leading up to it? Like, were you having a moment where you were praying or just give us a little bit of, of what that what that sure. was like? Yeah. Well, I, I was watching a YouTube video, so super holy. Um, 
and it was just it was a message on on our new creation in Christ and and you know, two Corinthians five and that our fight isn't against our old sinful nature but our fight is against principalities and powers and so and I'd never heard that in seven years of being in Christendom I'd never heard that I always thought it was the problem was uh, was me and I had to purge this evil thing out of me and not realizing that Jesus had done that on the cross for me. And so when I heard this message, I started, I just started to weep because I was like, now people may have told me this. I just, maybe I didn't listen, but from what I knew in what I'd been taught in the church that I was at, it was very much self-help, you know, fix your problem, um, band-aid it up and come again on Sunday and repent because you're probably just going to struggle all week. And I just knew that wasn't true. I knew that was not the gospel that Jesus paid for. And so, so, I'm watching this video. I get on. I, I finish the video. I'm crying. I'm a mess. Not everything. It was. It was. It was a. It was a glorious sight. But I, I knelt on my lounge room floor and I said, God, I don't know who I am, and I don't actually know who you are. I know you're real. I'm not questioning your existence, but I. I need. I need you to. Sh- I need you to show me. And the power of God. I just got hit. I just got hit with the power of God. I hit the deck. There's no one else in my in the lounge room. I kind of I'm kind of glad there was no one else there. <laughs> like it was, <laughs> you know, the snot tears, and then boom, the power of God comes, and I I I am out, and I I see. Um, so this one picture that I saw, I saw a lot of stuff in in the imagination of my mind, uh, like a video screen in my mind. But I saw this one thing that I've I, I've been able to share is. I saw a lamb, a lamb, like a, a, a the animal, like the lamb on a table um, and like a stone table, like out of Narnia. And I'm in the lamb. So I'm looking at it, but my body is also in the lamb. You know how dreams and visions can be weird. So I'm in the lamb and then the lamb gets slain and it vanishes into the table. And when it vanishes into the table, I vanish into the table and then out of the table rises this lion and I'm in the lion and it's like a holograph that I can see inside the lion and I'm in the lion. And then the that's when the Lord begins to say to me, as as I died, so you died. As I rise, rose, so you rose with me. And, and that was the beginning of unpacking my new nature and who I am in Christ and how good he is and so I saw that I visibly saw that that was an open open eye vision or a clo- you know closed eye vision or whatever you want to call it, um, and then I woke up and I saw some other stuff and it literally felt like ten fifteen twenty minutes that I'd been sort of that's what it felt like I was like wow that was like a nice sleep twenty minute power nap kind of had this encounter with God and 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 FYI for people like I've never done drugs. I've never smoked a cigarette. <laughs> I've never like I've had alcohol, but that's you know, I've never done I've never I've never done any drugs ever. And so um yeah, and so I came out of that encounter and I looked at the clock and it had been five hours. Wow. And uh and I was like Ah, it's been, I've been out for five hours and, and, um, and that was it. I didn't fully understand everything. I I understand a lot more now, but I didn't fully get everything, but I, my heart was 
changed. I just, you know, my stepdad and I, I, I don't share a lot of the details with that because we've reconciled. I've reconciled with my mom, my stepdad. I've, I didn't see them for seven years and I've, you know, I've, um, uh, you know, we've, we, I've been able to see them, forgive them for what they've done, you know, tell them that God loves them, tell them that we love them. Um, and, and so, because for a week there, I tried to, after that encounter for a week, I tried to hate them. I was like, I want to hate them. And I couldn't cause I was just, that something had changed inside of me. And, uh, and so, I went from a very angry, broken, hurting young man to I was I was I knew who I was in Christ. I knew who God was. I knew he was a good father, um, and that began that journey of discovering that in the scriptures, in in discipleship. In yeah, I just plowed the scriptures for good two years just reading through Romans, Galatians, Colossians. I just would read it read it over and over again because I wanted to know it for me. I didn't want to just regurgitate someone else's revelation. I was like, I need to know this for myself. And um that was it. I just I think I prayed the prayer for four years. God show me who I am. That's it. Four that's, years. Just pray. <laughs> bro, that's really intense and so powerful, man. Yeah. Um it, it warms my heart to hear uh, that you reconciled with your mom and your stepdad, um, mm. man, because, you know, that reconciliation, um, Bill Johnson, I remember him. It's funny how sometimes people will say something that's so profoundly true. It, it just remains with you. And I remember him saying that we can't understand reconciliation if we don't first understand separation. Right. Mm. And so you believed in God, but then also knew that you were separated, like didn't know who you were. And this moment was you reconciling to him, which then that's really the only way we can reconcile. Like, I don't know what happened with your mom and stepdad and, you know, we don't need to get into details or whatever. But the fact is like in the world, you, whatever happened, you can't reconcile that in the world. The world justifies your anger and you should be this and you should be that for what they did or whatever. Right. And it's like his heart yeah right that that just makes it impossible for you to not forgive you know yeah well i I don't know who who quoted this but you know forgiveness is like being bitten by a snake and trying to kill the snake hoping the poison will get out of you and you know it's it's it doesn't that you can kill the snake that's fine but the poison's in you and you know forgiveness bitterness resentment jealousy any of those things uh you actually need to stop and get the poison out and you know that's 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 the that's the forgiveness side of, of you know obviously Jesus did that father forgive them they do not know what they're doing that's that was the same thing i had i was like god for, i forgive them I, they didn't they just didn't know what they were doing and and you know that's um doesn't excuse it it doesn't mean it's good it doesn't mean it's right it doesn't mean that you'd want that for any person on the planet but um yeah it's 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 it was no it was doing me damage by holding on to forgiveness uh, holding on to unforgiveness was doing me damage it had no effect on them yeah (laughs) you know it was it was purely to do with my heart and and i mean that's just the way the, the lord works it's it's an inside job 
so that the external factors don't affect the way that you live. And, and I just, it's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God. It's the kindness of God. It's all of those things. Um, but it's me, it's partnering with it. It's choosing that it's saying there's a better life. There's a new beginning. That That's what mean being born again. For me, that's the reality of being born again. It's like, I'm born again. I've had this, tumultuous upbringing and and i could easily be victim to that and be like oh the the world owes me this or woe is me or whatever i've been through and i just need to you know i i you know i'm gonna live tormented and tortured for the rest of my life or i can actually apply the blood of jesus and accept that and and believe the truth about who he says that i am not my circumstances or upbringing and then transformation happens and it's happened yeah. Like I've got married, awesome wife, three kids, um, seen countless people saved, thousands, miracles, you know, that God did it. He, I, I haven't seen the dead raised yet, but I've pretty much seen everything else. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, I, he's, uh, he's just a good father. That's yeah. all really all it comes down to. Yeah. Um, you know, shy of killing a bunch of Christians, your story is a little bit like Paul, right? You had this radical encounter, it, you know, it, it totally changes your heart on the inside. And then you spend all kinds of time in the word and learning about him, right? And learning about him. So what happened after that? Where where did your journey take you into ministry? Yeah, so that, that began, I thought I... You know, even though I was probably eight, seven, eight years old in the Lord, I was I was really baby Christian. I, um, you know, I didn't have a, a solid foundation of, um, you know, people used to ask me what denomination are you from, and I would I would tell them no, we don't we don't worship demons because I thought that's what they were, <laughs> and they're like, oh no, denomination, like not demon nation, like denomination. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, I I had no grid for. I didn't even know denominations was a thing. I didn't know anything about, you know, ministry, church, culture. I just didn't know anything. So I thought I better go get some foundations in me. And and so my pastor at the time said, would you do, um, do you want to do like a certificate or in pastoral ministry or youth ministry or something like that? So I said, I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. So um, did that and it was awesome. It was great, great college, great. I got some really good, just solid biblical foundations in me to teach me how to teach myself in a way. Um, just some good, good tools there. So I did that and I, I really just pursued him and what he was putting in front of me. And so, um, we, you know, do you, I was doing youth ministry. Um, and then 2012, my wife and I went to Bethel for a year. Um, and so we did their Bible college over there. And then, um, yeah, and that, that really then sparked. I went from there, we went into full-time ministry. So I was doing youth and young adults at a church back here in Melbourne. And we really started to see, we started to see a, a move of God happen in that, that youth went from 12 to probably 70 kids and the kids were the ones doing the ministry, which was always my heart to, to see the saints equipped for the work of ministry. And, and here were these 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds 
seeing broken legs get healed, seeing people get, you know, on the streets encounter God, taking it out. So I, I after that encounter, I just had this in, this hunger to, I knew God was real. And so I was like, I know the power of God now. And so let's take this out to the streets. If it works in church, it can work outside the four walls of the church. And so we started to just go out on the streets and, um, and that, that was a journey in and of itself. Of, I reckon I walked past a thousand sick people before I had the courage to step out and pray for someone, you know, and, and, and do that. And actually, um, this is like 2010. So there's no one at that time. I didn't know anyone that was doing street ministry. Um, and so we just sort of learnt, learnt on the go and you, you make mistakes and then you learn, you go again, you know? And so, um, yeah, and then, then we planted, so we did that for four years, and then we, we had a little home group that just started to grow and sort of grew from 15, 20 people to about 60 um, early 2018. And then so we we had to make a decision um, whether that was to become a church or whether it was to just keep keep it as a ministry. And so we, we, we ended up spending six months praying, and then we ended up planning planning the sanctuary what's now the sanctuary church um and uh and and going into yeah i guess going to senior leadership of a, of a church and so which i never so i ne- it was never like i'm gonna do youth and then i'm gonna do senior leadership or i'm gonna this is my track that i'm gonna run on to get you know do ministry it really wasn't that it was really it was really just following the cloud of what the holy spirit was saying next and going oh that's that's where he is let's let's go there and so, um, yeah, we did a bunch. We've done a bunch of missions trips. I didn't play soccer for about four years after I quit. And then when we were at Bethel, we met a beautiful lady called Tracy Evans, who's a missionary in Mozambique. She's been there for twenty years. Friends with like Heidi Baker and and uh, a radical. Like a speaking of Paul, she's like a Paul. She's been shipwrecked. She's got a book called Outrageous Courage, and. Um, we met her and she said, do you want to come and do soccer clinics in Mozambique and see the lost saved? And I was like, yep. So we saw about wow. we four to 6,000 kids saved in two trips that we did. And we saw Muslims come to Christ and we saw, uh, we've done a trip to Uganda with that as well. And, and it's, uh, it's just, it's fun. So God really used, he redeemed some of that soccer stuff as well by being able to use that uh in, in you know in a third world country and just be a blessing over there so yeah so we've done a lot there's been a lot God's done a lot of work and 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 um in us and around us and stuff but it's it's fun yeah you've uh you've got to see a lot of the planet that's really cool yeah yeah like both four. Yeah, I think I worked out I've been to 37 countries I think I've done 37 countries so wow yeah yeah that's awesome. Some with soccer, mo- well, all with the Lord, but some serving and some, right? And some with soccer. Oh, some serving and just living in Europe. You, you can track, you know, it's not like Canada or, or Australia. You drive, you know, what are we? I think someone said the other day, you drive 12 hours in Australia and you haven't left the state. You drive 12 hours in Europe and you've gone through 10 countries, you know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's the same in Canada. It's probably, you know. Yeah. Big land mass, big land mass, same here in Australia. So, yeah. So this church, um, this church that you planted the sanctuary. So your lead pastor, your lead pastor there now. 
Yeah. What's uh, what's some of the like initiatives that you guys are doing? Do you do a, do you do an outreach there, or what? What's there's this ministry called Every Disciple Sent. Have you heard of it? Oh, yeah, it's kind of familiar to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we're we're actually doing that right as we speak now. Awesome. Um, so we we're running that over four weeks. There's a strong evangelistic thrust in our in the church. Um, I think you guys. I think you've had Andrew Scarborough on on there. Um, so he's he's part of our community. Um, and we've just got some some weapons. So we probably saw 50, 40 to 50 people saved on the streets last year, wow. um, which people say Melbourne's a tough city, but the gospel works. So, yeah. Um, Amen. And, and so, but, yeah, really our heart, we're seeing the presence of God in our meetings. We're seeing manifestations of his presence. A lot of new age people starting to come out of, uh, out of the new age and into into the church, some coming to us, others visiting, and then they go elsewhere, um, which is cool. But we're seeing a real community kind of come out of yeah that whole spiritual seeking, reiki, new age, eroticism, dancing, things like that. So there's some really cool cool things happening there. Um, That's really I think good. the two the two things that I've always said probably that mark our community is there's or a few things is is there's a hunger for the word there's a hunger for his presence and there's a hunger for the lost and that you can work with that <laughs> like as a leader in the church it's like it's that becomes easy then because you're not I'm not trying to convince people every week that God's good and he wants to reach the lost they just they just know yeah um and so, yeah, that's a culture that's been cultivated. It hasn't hasn't been easy. We went through a challenging time in the first year, which is another whole story. But, um, yeah, God, yeah, God's faithfulness. So we're only five years old. It's you know two years of those those years of COVID years, um, and so. But we're just seeing something pop now in in Melbourne. Different churches, not just us, and and um. Yeah, our hearts really. That's why we're doing the, the discipleship thing because um, we're really, just like we want. We want to just see the lost, not just saved. We want to see them um, discipled. Yeah, know their identity, know their identity in God, and you know, I'm I'm so thankful for church. I just love the local church because um, it's it had such an impact on my life in terms of community and and having people that are way further on in the faith father me and get alongside me when, you know, I was a baby Christian. And so, yeah, it's, I have a deep love for the local bride. Yeah. There's a really cool video series that goes along with that. Every disciple sent. <laughs> Are you the one that does that bit? Are you... <laughs> I have a little bit in it. <laughs> a couple yeah. little bits. Um, yeah. We've got, I think we've got 15 to 20 guys doing it every Sunday for the next four weeks. That's really um, awesome. And so they're just doing it they're, and they're really going after that. And, um, yeah, one of our, our associate pastor and his brother are leading that. And it's just, it's awesome. It's really cool. What, uh, what, what denomination are you? 
we love we love Jesus. <laughs> no, we're, we're independent. We're independent. But I told I told guys on Sunday because we have a lot of church connections and it's awesome. I love it. I said there's no sanctuary corner in heaven. There's no Baptist corner. There's no Pente corner. We've just got to get over that. So. Yeah, totally. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Um, bro, that's really quite the story, man. It's a cra- it's crazy. It's a crazy like, and then that's the that's the, you know, that's probably half of it. But it's God's so good. I mean, you know, I tell my story now, and a lot of us shared my story a couple of weeks ago at a youth thing, and fifteen kids gave their life to the Lord, and it really feels like I'm talking about a different human being when I talk about my past, and and um. And that's why we go after righteousness, identity, goodness of God, the Bible, the gospel, because it works. It's the power of God under salvation for those that believe. And so the gospel works. The gospel can set people free and then they can live free no matter what you've been through, no matter what people are going through. it uh, It's the only thing I think that can actually set you truly free. Yeah. Uh, I fully believe that. And so God can use anything. That's fine. But um, that sonship, that identity, that freedom in Christ, you know, Paul, you know, Paul wrote that in Galatians for freedom's sake that Christ came. So it's, yeah, it's, it's good. Well, the identity, right? That's, you've said, you said it a whole bunch of times throughout this interview and we're living in this. I mean, there's all, it's always been there. But we're really right now living in a time where identity is such a huge thing, right? And it's like you, you talked about it at the beginning about you didn't know your identity. You didn't know who you were. But it's like, well, you were a soccer player, man. You were pursuing, you know what I mean? But it's like he's still within it the realization that even though you sort of have one, there's something inside almost like we're pre-programmed. You don't really know what it is until he reveals it to us, hey? Yeah, and into into yeah, I think like you said, the world right now is it's not you don't have to be a prophet to realize that the world is crying out it's in an identity crisis, and that's always been like that. It's just manifests in, in different ways. Um but when we realize the goodness of our father, God, then, you know, healthy, healthy families produce healthy children. And so God, God paints a good picture in, in you, in us. And I think the whole thing of God doesn't just love you. He likes you. He actually created you. He purchased you. He, he paid for sin on the cross. He took sin on the cross because he likes you. I think that, that's a game changer. And I think so much of the churches, I, even early on when I was became a Christian, it was kind of like God's mad at you because you're a sinner. And it's like, oh, no, God's mad at sin because it's ruining something that he loves dearly. Yeah. And that's why he paid for sin. He, he took sin on the cross because he doesn't want you to live in the torment and the torture of what that does to you living here right now. Yeah. And then obviously, yes, we get to spend eternity with him, but it's also the right now of, of, of that. And, you know, I think George and Banoff says it well. He says if 
sin. If you can't be free from sin until you die, then death's your savior, not Jesus. And um, I just, I just think, yeah. I'd, and then that's why we fight for that. That's why we go after that because I really want to see people come out of, of of depression, of anxiety, of torment, of identity struggles, of 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 whatever lifestyle they are living, whether they're just they're living a great lifestyle from the world's perspective, but they're completely lost. They're a businessman who's got millions of dollars, but they they don't know who they are, that they, they would have a radical encounter with the love of the father that would say, this is my son, this is my daughter, and I love you, come home, accept me, believe in me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change you from the inside out. That's, that's, I mean, that's simple, isn't it? That's yeah. simple. And, uh, yeah. Dude, did your, uh, did your mom and your stepdad, did they ever come to know the Lord the way you do? Uh, they're on their journey. We've had some great conversations. <laughs> We've had, you know, my, uh, my mom came to a big conference that or, or gathering we did here with a good friend of ours, Ben Fitzgerald, which uh, you guys know. Um, so she came to that and, and, um, and she loved it. She was really impacted. Nick Vojevic, who's the, the, the man with no arms and no legs. Um, he spoke and, wow. uh, you know, really impactful. Uh, she had a chronic back pain. Uh, I prayed for her back, her leg to grow out actually, and it grew out and she's been pain free. That was a few years ago. Um, so yeah, there's been my oldest sister. So I've got six half brothers and sisters. So the oldest one is, is gave her life to the Lord. I led her to the Lord. She married a Christian man and they've got a, a, a kid, like a, they've got a kid and one on the way. And so, um, yeah, so there's there's fruit, there's fruit there, there's things happening, um, there's been good conversations. I, I would say they believe in God and they believe in the God of the Bible. Um, in terms of a personal walk, I would say they have a personal relationship with God. I I don't fully know what that looks like, uh, and and what that is, but um, that's the that's the ongoing journey. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's on one. Keep praying, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Liam, just, I have a final question for you as I like to do. Um, yeah. Uh, if you, um, came across a youth who was about to embark on a sports journey like yourself out from Australia, that's passing on and you know, uh, you know how, when you've lived something, you can recognize it in somebody else. You know, um, it's like I used to, I used to use lots of stuff and, and our, and when somebody denied that they used stuff, my friends and I would, we had a saying that was like, you can't snow the snowman, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, right. So if you know a guy and, and a young guy and he's going off to embark on that and you know that he doesn't know who he is as well. And there's something in him that's searching, but he's not asked that question yet, or he's not actively searching, but you can see it in him, man. What would you say if you had an opportunity to chat? Well, oh, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, I mean, I'm a big believer in, in, in giving things a go. So I would, I would never, I would never shut someone down 
you know, I'm not, I'm not anti, obviously I'm not anti sport. Uh, you know, I'm not anti playing soccer. I'm not anti playing professional sport. I think that's, there are people that are called to that in that realm. Or we've got a good friend of ours who's a high jumper, won the silver medal at the, the Tokyo Olympics and she's full blown, full blown Christian and changing the, the world there. So, oh, it's, it's a good question. I, I would encourage girl or guy, um, I would say get uh, obviously if they're a believer, even if they're not, I would say get someone around you who is a mother or a father, either in the faith or even if it's just a good mentor um, that you trust enough to who scares you enough that you'll listen to them. <laughs> Do you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they, you know, you're like it, they're they're that father figure, that mother figure. That if they say, "Hey, I," and they'll call it out. You know, they'll call out if they see something that you're heading into a direction that's unhealthy. Because that, that's what a good father or a mother will do. They'll they'll stop their kid from running on the road from getting hit by a car. So that's what I would encourage. I would say to someone who's you know 15, 16, 17 on that pursuit of a sporting career um, and they maybe don't know who they are and maybe they're defined by how well they succeed at sport or how well they do in, in that field and that defines them versus their identity and who God says that they are. I, I would encourage them. I'd say get get a mentor or a father or a mother figure around you that will actually get your soul and your identity healthy so that when you are in a place of influence, favor, success, the success won't won't kill you. Awesome. Thanks for spending some time with us today, bro. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate you, man. You too. Nobody's too far, friends. Liam knew at a young age he was angry, he was broken, he was hurting. No real bearing for him, for a father. But that pursuit for who he was, for the truth of who he is... And God came in and showed him... He's speaking to us all, and Liam answered and took a chance of what God wanted to show him. Are you ready 